Well, this morning we're going to be talking about marriage and having a lot of fun. An elderly couple was talking in the evening, honey, I'm so sorry that I let out my anger at you so often. How do you manage to stay so calm with my foul mood? She said, I always go and clean the toilet, toilet when that happens. And that helps. He says, yes. Uh, how does that help? She says, yes, because I'm using your toothbrush. <laughs> but the divorce rate in America since 1940 has raised 240%. We all know people that have been divorced. Many people here have, 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 have experienced that. One out of every two marriages ends in divorce. But the Christian, Christians who read their Bible and pray and love the Lord, attend church and give, have a one out of every 1,105 chance of a divorce. Why is that? Because God's word works, amen? Christian marriage works. Everybody say that with me. Christian marriage works. As a side note, I want you to first say this too to all the singles, <clears throat> that there's nothing wrong with being single. We've got to let our, our singles have the pressure off. It's okay to be single. He who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. That's Paul. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it's good for them if they remain even as I. He says, it's good if you remain single. It's okay. So if you're single and you're happy and you're enjoying... Here's the, here's the one thing that determines whether or not Paul goes on to say, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you can't control your sex drive, pick you out one. Amen? Find a good Christian. And today's sermon is going to really, really speak to you. But it's okay to be single. And Paul gives us even the, the guidelines for that. And, and marriage is, is tough. I mean, we all here have struggled. If we, we've all had marriages. It, it, it changes. It's, it fluxes. But it's also great at the same time. It's a lot of work and, and involves a lot of forgiveness. And so, so number one, if you're taking notes in have, how to have a great marriage, is number one is commit to do it God's way. Everybody say God's way. God's way is the best way, right? Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And I've been a pastor for many, many years. And for the singles that are here, we, we, singles that are, that are going to get married, the most important, one of the most important choices next to being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit is the person that you choose for your spouse. And God puts that responsibility in your hand. But we're to be directed by the Bible, directed by the Holy Spirit, and directed by others. There was a story, there's a medical, guy at a medical checkup, and he says, uh, the doctor asked him, he said, do you do dangerous sports? And the man responded, well, sometimes I talk back to my wife. And how to, have a, how to have a dream marriage and avoid a lifetime of suffering is marry a Christian. Marry a real Christian. And I've done a lot of counseling. I've seen a lot of marriages break up. And the bottom line, when two Christians who are committed to the Lord get married, it's different than somebody who marries an unbeliever. I can think of, I don't want to name their names because now this is going out on the internet, but Z and B, I sat at a table with, with this young man and he said, God told me that I needed to, to run from this young lady. And I said, my advice to you is run. God told you. There's some things in her life, things weren't right. Next thing I know, he leaves the church, they go to another church, they, they're married within a couple of weeks. And now it's been probably 16, 17 years. 
after 13 years of never living in the same house and 13 years of struggling their marriage, they're divorced now. It's a big mess. I can think of another person, Jay. He came in and multiple people said, the person you're marrying is not a Christian. Don't do it. Today, he went into ministry for a little bit, but today he manages a bar. I can, I can think of Lisa, who called me on the phone one night. Some guy who was in a halfway house was courting her. She didn't even know him. And she called me. She said, do you think we should, I, should, I should date him? And I said, absolutely not. Guess what? She didn't talk to him anymore. She went out and married him. Many years later, he kills himself after years of abuse towards her. The most important choice that you will make if you are single is the person that you marry, that they serve the Lord Jesus Christ, truly saved. Can I get an amen? This is what God's Word says. 2 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In fact, it's a command that if we are Christians, you are not to date unbelievers. Unequally yoked means that you can't yoke up with someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? As a pastor for many, many years, I've seen many a woman come to church and sit in church for years. And if we were to interview them, they would say, don't do it. Come on, ladies. Can I get an amen? Marry a man who's committed to the Lord, willing to go to church, willing to be side by side with you in life. And if you're married to someone and you chose, or maybe they fell away from the Lord, you, you, it doesn't mean you can walk away from that relationship. Amen. It means that now you need to be a light in that situation. It doesn't give you a reason to divorce them. You need to now pray for them. Be a light. I think you need to ask them, hey, listen, I'll do all these things with you, but one hour a week commitment, one, an hour to an hour and a half commitment each week, would you please come to church? And I would ask them in a loving, kind way. I know probably at some point they'd see it as nagging, but either way, I would still try. Pray for God's wisdom in, in reaching them. But I know that these people that we talked about follow their flesh. They, they didn't listen to advice. They definitely didn't listen to the Word of God. And I've seen so many burnouts. But why does a Christian marriage work? Let me read this comment to you. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not a contract. A two-way relationship between husband and wife. But a covenant. Everybody say covenant. A covenant is an agreement between you and God and that person. There's three people in a marriage covenant. It's not that I'm just covenanted with my wife, but I'm covenant with God. And listen, I want to tell you, husbands today, wives today, that God is the one that's going to hold you accountable for how you treat your spouse. You're going to stand before God for the things that you say about your husband on Facebook. Behind his back with your little, if you do that. Or husbands, if you're complaining about your wife at work, God's going to hold you accountable. What you say to your wife, what you say in that covenant relationship, what you say to your kids. How we treat our wives. In fact, guys, listen, if we, uh, uh, if we treat our, our wives poorly, we're not going to have our prayers answered. God's very serious about it. And so this covenant relationship, and the reason why Christian marriage works is because where two people come together, not just committed to one another, but they're covenanted together between them and God. Permanent accountability. The next thing is that to have a dream marriage is that dream marriages honor purity. Now, I know that when Paul was writing Corinthians, it was in a very sexual, perverse time. And in America today, Christian values have, have sunken so low that we think that it's okay. The many a times, one of the main reasons why I do talk about sex and marriage is because uh, in, in the churches that I've pastored, there'd be four or five people living together coming to church. If you're living together 
and call yourself a Christian, the two don't go together. That's called fornication. It doesn't go together. It's better to get married than live in sin. Come on, can I get an amen? It's better to, it, it, it's better actually to probably just break up if you can't contain yourself instead of making a mistake in marriage. But if you're going to stay together, uh, you, you, you cannot fornicate. Fornication is sex out of a marriage relationship. Oh, but we got to test drive it. Well, if you test drive a car today, a car's going to only last about 10 years. Right? Unless you get a Toyota and it might last a little longer. Right? But if you buy some cars, they're going to, they're going to end up on the, you know, what Ford found on Roadside Daily. I don't care. I don't, I don't dislike Ford. I'm just saying. But anyway, but what I'm saying is there's no biblical principle for test driving. It's sin. And if you believe that, 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 that God's word is true, you'll honor that, that aspect of God. And ladies, if some guy says, well, if you love me, you'll, no, you say, no, 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 ho, ho, ho. Take me home, dog breath. I'm saving myself for a true man of God that truly loves me. Because I want to tell you, ladies, that if a man's trying to have sex with you and you're not married, he's trying to steal from you. He's trying to take from you what God's intended for your husband. Can I get it? And say, boys, same thing with the girls. Someone's trying to have sex with you. They don't love you. They're not doing what's best for you. They're doing what's best for them and their flesh. And see, sin is easy. Everybody say, sin's easy. Anybody can sin. Anybody can fornicate. Anybody can do all the things that the world, anybody can, it's easy to go along with the world. But a true man of God and a true woman of God will do what's right. Will honor the Lord and obey him. Can I get a amen? Hebrews 13, 4. Dream marriages honor purity. And, and now listen, we're bombarded with pornography. You could, right now in church, you could, you could look at porn in church. Let's be honest. You could get on your phone right now, look it up. At work, in your car. And now we have teenagers that have it sent to them from friends, continually bombarded and at work, continually tempted and bombarded. We have got to put up the standard of sexual purity in our marriages. Can I get an amen? Not even, and what happens is we joke around about it. Some people joke around and think it's not even joking around about it. It's the foundation of a great marriage is sexual purity. It's honorable by God. It's God's plan for humanity, for husband and wife only. Hebrews 13, 4, listen to this. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So what if I've made a mistake? Get it right. Ask God to forgive you. Amen? But we need to honor, honor the Lord through purity in our marriage. God made sex. It's not dirty. In a marriage, sex is pure. It's anointed. It's blessed by God. Now I realize, too, as we talk about sex today, uh, you know, that we have young couples that are married, Right? And that, that, their sexual life is going to be a little bit different than someone who's in their 70s, than someone who's in their 90s. I understand that, right? And if we're having sex, we're in our 90s, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> they say that when you're down here every time, you put a jelly bean in the jar, and then when you hit 60, you take the jelly bean out every time. So it's, it's important. That, so I understand as we talk about this, I'm talking about it in general, very practical for those who are married because we need to talk about sex. Everybody look at somebody and say, we need to talk about sex. Mom and dad, listen. If you're unwilling, we had friends that, that called Mill Parks toolboxes. I mean, you're going to raise a confused kid. His dad's a builder. I mean, I, I never figured that one out. You know, the different parts using tools. I'm like, no, no, no. Just call it what it is. 
Someone has to talk to the kid. You know why? Because your kids are getting an education from TV. They're going to get an education from kids at school. They're going to get education from the games they play. You better educate them what God says before the world educates them. There's nothing wrong with talking about sex, guys. That's how we all got here. Guess what? And if they got kids, they had sex too. Right? Come on now. It's part of life. And we've got to communicate with our children about sex and not be embarrassed about it. We've got to tell them what's going on in the world. And we've got to prepare them, tell them what God says, so that when they hear what the world says, that they can have a standard. That's why so many young people are saying this transgender fluid crap that's not biblical. And they're getting sucked in by what the world believes. We've got to set them free with the truth of God's word, that sex is pure and it's to be honored. No fornication. Raise up a standard. You know, it removes the confusion. As people are confused by what's going on in the world, the truth will set them free. It clears up the confusion. Talking about porn, there's no place for porn in your marriage. Listen to this. Neurons, when someone's looking at porn, neurons that fire together, wire together. Just like other addictive substances, pornography floods the brain with dopamine. That rush of brain chemicals happening over and over again rewires the brain. Reward pathways ultimately changing the makeup of the viewer's brain. In other words, watching porn can cause ED. If you don't know what that is, look it up when you get home. (laughs) Pornography can ruin intimacy in marriages. It changes the brain. In other words, words, uh, it changes it where you can't have have, have sexual relations with with your partner anymore. Right? The wages of sin is death. When we sin, it brings about death in our life. And if you're, if you're involved with it, man, praise God this morning because you're hearing the truth. Someone's telling you the truth to get set free. Amen. Stop watching it. Ask for help. Find someone who can help you out of it. Find help. Number four, the fourth thing is dream marriages are committed to affection. Everybody say affection. Uh, and and, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not naming names as a pastor and a male. Uh, you know, uh, I, I always say, okay, men, you know, we're going to be talking about sex this week. Get your men, you know. But I've been rebuked last year twice, and I've been rebuked this year, and I've been told that women, I'm not saying who's, who rebuked me, I'm not saying naming any names, who's told me three times, women like sex too. <laughs> women enjoy sex too, right? Okay. So, ladies, we know that you enjoy it too. So, we're talking to everybody today. But as a pastor, I just feel like maybe I shouldn't. You know, it makes me uncomfortable. But listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, better to marry than to burn. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. Let the husband render. And the word render here in the tense, it means continually. To give continually to his wife the affection due. And the word affection due here means the debt that's owed. Everybody say debt that's owed. All right, so if you're married, you owe your partner a debt. When you say, I'm going to covenant with you for life, you owe them a debt. Whether they're here or not, you, you've covenanted. And the debt is affection. It's been, it comes also from the word benevolence. And it's not just, listen, if you guys, if you think, guys, sex is just the act that takes place when you make love, you got it all wrong. I mean, sex, depending on what age, right? Sex is a snack. Sex is a meal. Sex is a buffet. Sex is a feast. Thanksgiving feast. It just, it just differs. Can I get an amen? And we are responsible to take care of the physical needs of our spouse. You, ladies, I know, I know women who will not let their husbands have sex but once a month. That's a problem unless he's agreed to it. 
If you agree to that, that's fine. But you need to take care of the physical needs because you've coveted with them. You've said, hey, listen, I'm only going to have sex with you. You're only going to have sex with me. And because of that, I'm going to give myself fully to you. I'm going to help meet your needs. Can I get an amen? And if you're in a relationship where you manipulate with sex, you're in sin. You're in emotional adultery. You need to ask God to forgive you, and you need to take care of your spouse. Can I get a... Ooh, y'all are quiet today. Mark offended so many people, everybody's upset right now. I'm just... Lifelong debt. Great sex is communication. Great sex is all day long. It's when you wake up in the morning. It's not just the act. It's, it's holding hands. Ladies, come on now. Help me out now. It's holding hands. It's kissing. It's hugging. It's all day long. It's being kind to one another. It's that affection all day long, letting them know how much you care for them. Verse 4 of, seventh of Corinthians chapter 7. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So the question is, Pastor Bobby, how often? How often should we be having sex? Well, how long can you go without eating? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Do not look at me in that tone of voice. And if you think you're too righteous for, for sex, you're in sin. You're self-righteous. And you're not taking care of your spouse. And if you're not having sex, guys, you need to get help. Right? I want everybody in my church to have a smile on their face when they come to church. <laughs> and I realize as we get older, things change. I'm just, hey, listen. And we all, let's just be honest. We all know things change. As we get older, it changes. Some of you are taking jelly beans out. Some of you are putting jelly beans in. And that's okay. But we need to make sure that we're taking care of the need. Listen, this is very pastoral. Take care of the needs of your spouse so you don't end up in divorce. Take care of the needs of your spouse so you don't end up in divorce, in adultery. Because if you don't, someone's going to go. And if you're thinking, well, I want it, the way out of my marriage is I just won't have sex with my partner so that they'll, they'll go out and have an affair on me, you're in sin. Man, it got quiet in here. Everybody's going to go out here, oh, my pastor said we've got to have sex. Sex, sex, sex. In fact, he says, let's see, three times a day, because I can't go without a meal. <laughs> I can't go without a meal, so three times a day, a snack, a meal, Thanksgiving dinner, all in one day. <laughs> Listen to this, and, and I'm getting ready to close. Proverbs 5.17 says this. And listen, if you want to, the Song of Solomon, people say it's Christ and church. It is not. It is about the ultimate intimacy a marriage, Christian marriage can have. Read the, read the, if you're married, read the Song of Solomon together with some interpretation. You'll be like, woo! This is what Proverbs says. Just a little, little snippet. Let them, be only, uh, let them be only your own and not for strangers. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer. So come on, man, this picture. Not with, the, not with the crosshairs on our wives. But a loving deer and a graceful doe. As we see our wives, a loving deer 
and a graceful doe. A beautiful thing. This is, this is about intimacy. This is a clear message about sex and happy and fun and dynamic interaction in a marriage. And for, not for strangers with you, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. Verse 19, as a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast, I said it in church, breast. Oh, don't say, that's what the word says. God's holy word. And we've been embarrassed, we've been holding back, but the Bible says. So men, if you're married, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Don't look for someone else. And the person that you're married to, guys, maybe, maybe things aren't, but it, she, could be, she could still be through the whole marriage, the woman of your dreams, with God's help. Especially if you're communicating and working together. It takes time. Hard work. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. When you're 90, be enraptured. And the word enraptured means captivated and mesmerized. It's kind of like when you first start dating, kind of like Sarah and Blazar. You know, they just got that puppy love, mesmerized, whatever he does. She'll, she'll, he'll be up here playing guitar, and after she'll be like, he is so sexy. <laughs> he'll see her, and you know, oh man, she's so hot, right? Well, that, that's got to go through the whole marriage, guys, right? Mesmerized the whole time. If it's not there, we need to ask God to help us. It can be there. You can have it too. Right? Every one of us. And that's, that should be our shortest. But the starting point goes all the way back to what? Marry a Christian. All the way back. Do what God says. Honor your marriage vows. Do, do all the things ahead of time. Right now, you are being faithful to your spouse when you're honoring your body. Not giving it away. And if you've given it away, ask God to forgive you and start again. Can I get an amen? Honoring God and, and saving yourself for your spouse. So why don't we do this this morning? Can we all stand up? The last thing I'm going to say as my wife comes up here. Make your spouse, make sure your spouse is number one in your life. So, so mom and daddy, listen to me. Your kids are not number one. Your spouse is. Come on, married, married partners, can we just, everybody that's married, step out in the aisle if, part, if your husband or wife's here and just kind of hold hands and look at one another this morning while you're looking at me. Men, men, women, you cannot let your children take priority over your marriage. Your spouse is number one, or your grandkids take priority over your marriage. Can I get an amen? You, your, your relationship is number one. You've got to maintain it. You've got to have that, that love relationship throughout. And uh, I was with somebody, and uh, 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 just listening to them talk, as a couple, and, and I've heard it over the years, and that is the wife didn't feel like she was number one. Work was more important. Other things were more important. And I just told him, look, she doesn't feel like she's number one in your life. She doesn't feel like she's a priority. I want to tell you that if you're working more than you're spending time with your wife, there's a problem. If you're never going out, if you're never maintaining your relationship, it's not going to work long term. 
And maybe you've been married for a long time. It's called marriage drift. Whereas you've been married, instead of working on the relationship, you just kind of start drifting apart and you become isolated in the same home. That's not God's plan for you. Can I get an amen? So I want you to turn and look at your spouse this morning. Look in their eyes. Come on, Donnie. Turn and look at your husband. Put your hands in his hands. You're never too old for love. Come on now. Come on, hold their hands, both hands, looking right at each other's eyes. And I want you to say with, with me this morning, say, you're number one. You're number one. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them, come on, say, we're in this together.